from the nonprofit Tulsa United Way. I'm Matthew Gleason, and this is the premiere episode of the weekly Live United podcast. Today, we remember September 11th, 2001, with the Tulsa Fire Department's Fire Chief Michael Baker. Michael and I both hope you'll support the Tulsa 9-11 Memorial Stair Climb event at 7.30 a.m. on Saturday, September 11th. It's when firefighters and police officers come together to climb the first place tower in downtown Tulsa in full gear as they ascend 110 stories to honor the firefighters and police officers who lost their lives on that faithful day 20 years ago. All the details are in the show notes. While you're downtown on Saturday, please join the Tulsa Area United Way from 8 a.m. to noon during the Downtown Deco Bike Challenge and Campaign kickoff on September 11th. We need you and 999 others to walk, bike, or jog through downtown Tulsa to benefit the Tulsa Area United Way and help us kick off our 2021 campaign. For each person who rides their bike or walks to the parking lot with balloon arches at 6th and Main, the super amazing and incredibly generous Price Family Properties will donate $100 to the Tulsa Area United Way, up to $100,000. And yes, pets count towards our goal, so bring your furry loved ones and be there at 10 a.m. when Tulsa Area United Way officially kicks off our 2021 campaign with the big goal reveal. All the details are in the show notes. Okay, so the first half of our interview with Michael Baker is focused on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Then the second part of our talk focuses on Michael's role in the origins of Tulsa's Community Response Team, better known as CRT, funding through private donations and a Tulsa Area United Way Community Collaboration Grant allowed the team to respond to calls for two full days of each week. Since then, the city of Tulsa has expanded it to five days a week. The three-person team includes an officer from the Tulsa Police Department, a paramedic from the Tulsa Fire Department, and a mental health professional from our partner agency, Family and Children's Services. Since 2017, CRT has de-escalated individuals in mental health crisis and diverted them, when appropriate, from costly jail, hospital emergency room, and inpatient behavioral health hospital stays. And two quick notes, the music featured on this debut episode of Live United is provided by Reed Mathis, a renowned musician and Tolson. Okay, with all that being said, let's get to the first ever episode of the Live United podcast featuring Tulsa Fire Chief Michael Baker, who is one of the most remarkable innovators and all-around human beings I know. Welcome, Michael, to Live United. Thank you, Matt. Uh, what an introduction. That's great. Well, I have the distinct honor of being the fire chief for the Tulsa Fire Department. So I am the 12th fire chief in the history of the city, which is kind of an interesting fact. I've just finished my first year in June. So we're about 14 months in. Incredible job, wonderful people. Just love working with not only the firefighters in the city, but finding ways that we can work with and improve our community and keep it as safe as possible. And I am very, very honored to to hold the position. And so I take that very seriously. It, you know, one of the things I said when I got the job is I would come into work kind of early in the morning and I sometimes I'd be driving through the middle of downtown on my way to the office and I'd look around and I'd go, I'm responsible for all of this. 
right? And so you don't you don't have that concept until you're sitting in this chair and you go, my gosh, I'm responsible for the lives and the property of the city, and it, and it's it, it it can get to be overwhelming sometimes, but. I have high confidence in the 700 firefighters we have in the department. They work very hard every day and uh, just an incredible team of people. So it's beautiful. All right. And we are recording this actually a few weeks before September 11th, which is obviously the 20th anniversary of that most horrible day. Mm-hmm. So 9-11 really is an incredible benchmark in the history of the nation's fire service. And, and not only because we lost 343 firefighters, it, it really is a, it's kind of a testament to a lot of things that have, are about the fire service. And I was listening a few weeks ago at a conference to a gentleman who was the first chief officer from FDNY on the scene. In fact, he was just down the road. And so he had been to World Trade many times, had known the building very intimately as structures and, and, and things like that. And he was assigning crews to go up the stairs as the as the kind of the incident commander at the time of the incident. Early, early. I mean, the buildings have clearly had not collapsed yet. Rescues were still involved. It, and so fire crews were walking in. He he was describing how he would look at new lieutenants or the firefighters coming in with their crew and he would look at them and they would kind of look at the stairwell and they would look back at him knowing they may not be back and to have that responsibility and to survive the event he has gone on to speak about it frequently and to write a book about it but that is at that moment is the the dedication that you see in firefighters and knowing that they will step into their unknown, what they fear probably is going to be their death, but yet they go. And so just those stories have come out over the years, the last 20 years. And so, you know, for me, anything we do, it really, really talks about the foundation qualities of a firefighter, how we look for someone that wants to work. And are you willing to sacrifice for yourself for others? Are you willing to take risks that are within reason and safely? And so for that, there's a lot of remembrance across firefighters lives you know you'll see the number 343 on helmet stickers and things like that and t-shirts and stair climbs have become a memorial to that day and when those firefighters that that battalion commander was sending up those young firefighters and senior firefighters up up those stairs to the unknown that has become a symbol of our honor for those folks who lost their lives and so we are very fortunate to have a great partnership with Price Properties and can use a pretty good tall building within the city of Tulsa to honor that. A lot of play- folks will do the very same thing across the nation on that on September 11th. They will do stadium climbs or any kind of different event they can to mark the history. But it, it's just the physical uh, feeling and in, in the and what we do as well is we carry a tag each each climber carries a tag that is someone lost in 9-11 so they will wear a, a tag and they will climb in their honor and so it just it goes back to the roots of honoring those who sacrifice for others and just a great day to remember where were you on september 11th so i was actually at work i 
had about six years on the fire department at that time. I was at fire station two, uh, 27. I had been there about oh, a couple years. And so, and I believe we were kind of finishing up morning duties and chores and things like that around the station. And I will, I think we had the same weather they had in, in New York City. I mean, it was just an absolute, I just remember it was the bluest sky, the perfect temperature. It was a great day outdoors. And so we were doing station duties and regular duties. And we kind of had the television on the station as we were doing things. And then we kind of watched as this plane flies into the building. And so far for a firefighter seeing that you're like, okay, it, it, I just remember completely, it, it is some, a visual that is illogical or doesn't work in your memory. I mean, you're just like, that does not compute. However, you know, planes have flown into buildings in New York city in the past. Historically, they had a bomber flew in an empire state building back in the World War II era. So, you know, you think, okay, that's got to be some horrible misadventure. But yet, I think, so I think then you see the fire, you, for us, as a fire profession, you start looking at the structural integrity of the building, all those things going through your mind. If like, what if I was there? What would I do? And then you look and how are you going to put that out? Because that looks like, but that's a lot of fire. And, you know, you're, you're starting to go through those building construction theories and all the things that are happening at the top of that tower. And make no, no mistake, high-rise fires are, they can be challenging for one room, one small area. High-rise fires are an extremely labor-intensive and challenging part of our job. And then so as we watched, you know, then we see the second plane fly in and you're kind of, OK, wait a minute. This is not this is now we're under attack. You, you really knew at that moment that the situation has changed. And so, you know, as the Pentagon event occurred and then the crash of the, the United flight, frankly, I, I don't know that I realized that I was watching the change of not only our nation, but, you know, how we respond to threats of terror, but also the change in the fire service and how we do business. So. Watching the course of history occur, I knew that things would not be the same from that point on. What was ironic about that is I had been an instructor for ORSU Fire Service training, and I was teaching a class across the state called Emergency Response Terrorism. And I'd been teaching it for several months, and and a lot of it focused on the Murrow bombing in Oklahoma City. And that it was kind of a post-event, how to, how to handle those kind of special incidents. And I just remember later in the day thinking well everything has changed so it really is a is a huge moment for how we protect the nation how we as a fire service you know function as job and and so i just remember it vividly as an event and then realizing um that this was not this was not going to be clearly it's a the magnitude of the event was incredible and the loss of life as well subsequent to that but i knew things were going to change the rest of my career basically is the best way to say that but i mean this just was a huge loss of life for the fire service and you know when you have you know a firefighter families that participate in 9-11 stair climb or any kind of event you realize that there's very few people who have forgotten what happened that day the the largest fire department in the united states fdny I have many friends that work there. I've visited that department personally. And and if you look at the impact on that department, you know, people are still caring for cancer victims. People are still dying from, you know, World Trade Center related asbestos exposures and things like that. So it, it just it reminds folks that firefighters are human. There's always this, oh, yeah, we run into burning buildings when everybody else is running out. But it really amplifies that conversation. 
this episode will come out about a week before 9-11, the 20th anniversary. Tell the audience what, what we can do to show how much we appreciate our local firefighters. I think first off, it's just be aware and engaged of the work that folks are doing in the fire service. Like I mentioned earlier, the profession has changed a lot. We have a significant imp- you know, work in the management of Homeland Security, the management of our emergency incidents in the community, such as tornadoes, floods, and wildfire, et cetera. So I think the greatest honor for us is to, you know, share in passion for fire safety. When we ask to check a smoke detector, have an exit plan, you you can go back and realize that you don't know when you will become a victim of an emergency or fire and being prepared is the absolute best thing we can do to prevent the loss of life of of our community members and residents and um, firefighters. And so, you know, we're not going to have overwhelming 9-11 size events every day, but it's the small, the small disasters do have an impact on people's lives to the same level of significance. You know, all of those firefighters were family members of someone and those families, just like if we lose someone to a fire death locally, it's it impacts that family as well. So just prevention awareness, safety awareness, um, I think clearly just understanding the nature of what we need is, is a, for folks in the community. There's always the options of, of being aware of what needs we have for community support. You know, we are, you know, a profession. We need to think about who the next firefighters are as we approach hiring firefighters for the Tulsa Fire Department. You know, we're in a situation where we have to look at what the career path of a lot of these young individuals are. And are we, you know, developing community minded focused folks who are willing to place themselves between the problem and the people. And so, you know, those are all things that folks can do. Yeah. We're going to get into the community response team and the origins of that. But before we get into that and how the United Way kind of helped foster that amazing program, I want you to talk about how much you appreciate Tulsa Area United Way partner agencies and how much they how much they rely on the fire service, how that you, you can't have one without the other. You guys are our are, are team, right? You know, one of our biggest partners agencies up front is American Red Cross. We have been a long-term partner in that they have a mission to respond to disasters at all levels. That includes house fires and those folks in need and victims of those local incidents. And so we've been a partner and they are always there for us, you know, whether it's a cup of coffee, a bottle of water or a snack during big incidents, they're always there as well. And what's, what's interesting is I think that part of our problem in what, I have attempted to do is expand that understanding of what a partner agency is and how that the fire department has changed so much. I mean, we are a, for lack of a better term, we're a social or social solution group. I mean, we, you know, we help people directly with services. And so they're not always fire. It's, there's all kinds of issues that we go on every day. And so what, what we've discovered in kind of the next world of the fire service is where do we fit in as an agency that refers folks for mental health and and how do we partner with organizations such as Mental Health Association and Family and Children Services or others that are recipients. You know, those are all critical because ultimately, you know, those work and, and they impact our operations and our healthcare delivery services and our, you know, business. And so it's, it, 
we have to think outside of the box about what a traditional partnership looks like. You know, if you have some service delivery, I bet it crosses our path somewhere. And I think the other part of that is that fire department has to do it along with a lot of other folks, but we cannot solve larger community problems by ourselves. We can, we work as a team every day. We are probably one of the most highly cohesive team-based organizations out there. I mean, we put three or four people on a fire apparatus and when they go out and make calls and they work as a team to solve the problem, we come back and we're in team environments and we cannot, we don't function outside of a team. There's no reason that when you can bring in other folks, much like we did with CRT, you know, where we bring in other agencies that have the same common mission and vision and, and desire to solve some of Tulsa's biggest challenges. And so we really found that being a part of that and being taking, for lack of a better term, taking advantage of opportunities for innovation support, community related support, you know, we want to be the recipient of those programs. And so because we found that together, not alone, we begin to solve some of the biggest problems that we have as an operation and how can we help others? And so we're always a fundraiser, right? We're we're an organization where we do a campaign. The difference is, is that are we using that? We've never really used that campaign to benefit our own operations or benefit a problem that we're seeing. And so the challenge over the last five, six years has been to, hey, how can we take advantage of those innovations and move some things forward? So, yeah. Well, one of the great things that I admire about you is that you are a collaborator and you do work across all the partner agencies to serve our community in the best way possible. And that really gets to the point of how the community response team came about. Mm -hmm. uh, because just a started as an idea of like, this would be really cool. And now it it's this huge successful program. So can you walk us through sort of from the idea stage to where it is now and the role that the United Way played in helping foster that. So community response team is a group of multiple agencies who are focused on handling the situations that are coming through the 911 center and going to law enforcement or public safety agencies. And they're based in mental health crisis. The concept really kind of came from, we had been working within the fire department on our CARES program, which is our community assistance, referral, and education services program where we were looking at those folks who utilized fire department services greater than the norm, right? And how, and that was, that rapidly turned into a social support because, I mean, once again, I've kind of mentioned it before, we are a social service agency. Like many people don't think of us that way, but our operations are driven by challenges in healthcare, challenges in community safety, challenges in housing, all of those impacts to folks in our, what we call the social determinants of health and kind of well-being are impacted. And we see a lot of those ultimately generate operational run responses for the fire department. And so in an effort to try to understand and address where our business was going down the road and, and in a community who has continuously and unfortunately ranks high in the need to address mental illness, has a large population living with mental illness every day, has a what seems to be an ever-expanding homeless population, many of them living with mental illness every day as well. We had just reached out to partners. And I was, as the person who was kind of championing it at the time, 
I was really at my wits end. I couldn't find anywhere that, I mean, we were handling it in isolation and I frankly didn't have the community contacts to move things kind of beyond where we were at. And so the day, I mean, I remember the day that I was sitting in a meeting at the jail and Mike bros was there and Mike kind of looked at me and couldn't understand why the fire department was in this meeting about mental health patients in the jail. Michael, if we can just pause for a sec to give a big shout out to our mutual friend, Mike Bros, who is the former CEO of Partner Agency Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. Okay, back to the story. I, I kind of then I kind of started explaining to him. I was like, well, you don't realize often what the impact of mental illness is on your fire department. So once we had that conversation, Mike was kind of, his eyes kind of opened up to our needs. We began working with others at the Mental Health Association to kind of begin to look at the broader picture of where we fit into the larger mental health community for providership, really. And so the other thing is we we knew we weren't a provider. I mean, we're we are not experts in that, but we're great at identifying problems and sending them somewhere else, right? Or handling crisis and moving it on. And so Mike invited us to Colorado Springs. He said, there's a program there. There's really two things that they do. They do a CARES program similar to what you're doing with outreach. And they also do this thing called CRT. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we took a pretty good sized group to Colorado Springs, somehow became the driver of the vehicle that we were in. And the in the passenger seat sat Captain Shelley Seibert from Tulsa Police Department, who has just become an incredible lifelong friend as well. We started having a lot of conversation about our needs and things like that on the way up there. And then, you know, as we drove from Denver and then we talked and we watched what happened in Colorado Springs and Amanda Bradley from Family and Children's Services was there as well. And we all just kind of eventually by the second or third day, after we'd all experienced and, and, and looked at kind of what was happening in their community, we said, hey, this is easy. We can do this. We've got the pieces. I mean, we in that room, we had law enforcement, we had fire department paramedics, and we had, you know, therapy side from crisis care and family and children's services. So we said, let's, let's go back to Tulsa. And I, I think within two months or so or less, Captain Seibert, Amanda, and myself all jumped in a fire department vehicle and tried to kind of go out and start handling some calls. We found ourselves, you know, we were clearing police officers and we were doing a little bit of work and we we're uh, sitting down with folks at a table and discussing why they were having a crisis with their family members. And all of a sudden, we kind of did that once a week for a little while and they said, you know what, this will work. And so now, what you don't know in the back office side is that I just changed the complete model of what the fire department does. And so I had to go to my staff who was watching me and my staff was in the emergency medical services branch, the department, and they were looking at me like, what are you doing? And and we had a lot of conversation about what they were, what they could do and how they could work. And we could rotate some people through this program and let's go out a couple of days a week and and so we needed a couple of dollars to fund gasoline and some uniforms and, and little things. So we collectively made a presentation to Tulsa United Way and said, hey, let's, you know, if we put three people together and here's all the numbers of calls that come into the 911 center and here's how currently public safety responds to those calls, um, maybe there's a better way. And so we figured that out pretty quick that there was an option. We demonstrated what we wanted as a concept. We gave them a few numbers. and. And the rest has been history really from that point. What the grant allowed us to do was to fund, we were able to in-kind work. And so like the fire department would pro 
you know, would reassign work of a paramedic. And, and so did the police department and family and children's services. They would each reassign their folks on the team. And then United Way was, would allow us to have an overtime day where we would be able to support staff. And, and we ended up, you know, going Mondays and Tuesdays for quite a while. We really couldn't do it without the funding from United Way because there's just no municipal budget. And so what happened with that was that ultimately my staff were trained in law enforcement crisis intervention training, myself included. And you get a realization of what police officers are doing to try to handle mental health crisis calls. And we became better, have a better understanding of mental illness. We, that understanding integrated the work of NAMI and listening to those folks living with mental illness and their families into our firefighter training. And so we not only began to serve as a response unit, but we also began to increase the impact of our mental health awareness on the fire department. And so all of those subsequent changes occurred. And now, you know, we have progressed from what was two days a week to three days a week, which seemed like a monumental task. I mean, we had to get budget approval for additional staffing and then our ultimate goal, you know, I think the community's goal would be you got a team out running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's a big lift. I mean, it's hard to to get that done, but we were able to kind of get a, a little bit better plan wrapped around our head, kind of see a vision of what's next. And then we have moved to now until we have enough staffing to move to a five day a week here pretty quick. And so the, the big difference is that what we can demonstrate and what we have brought back to United Way as an ongoing report. And trust me, we're doing this. I'm being kind of broad in scope, but we're doing this with parameters of performance and reporting requirements and, you know, and where is the investment, you know, how is the investment being used in the community? We're able to demonstrate value over and over. And so that's what's been the most exciting part is that you know, we've been able to show that a grant and community support funding for programs does result in people receiving the appropriate care navigated through what is endless complex systems of care at times for especially for a family that's trying to live with someone that's living with mental illness every day or an individual who is just like, I don't know where to go for help. And they end up in the 911 system. That's that's the the hard part is we do not want to, you know, increase, you know, their criminal justice activity and their utilization of the hospital emergency room, which was those two options were like the only options, right? And what we've demonstrated is that when we do a healthcare related check from the firefighter paramedic, you know, sometimes what appears to be mental illness is a physical illness and we can navigate that to the right resource. Law enforcement provides us with scene security and just an incredible bench strength of knowledge from their case experiences. And then ultimately a team approach to to working with the therapist and taking guidance from the therapist that's there from Family and Children's Services. When we can sit down and we can spend more time, we're not trying to get to another call. We are there with that individual in crisis and we're talking to them. We're de-escalating situations that may be rapidly changing. We are 
offering them alternatives other than you know what may they may think is the only path to solve this current situation they're in so what you have to take away from this program is that number one you know we cannot as a community sustain the ongoing crisis of of our mental illness numbers and counts and and growing we have to treat it secondly there are people who are working to improve the lives of tulsans every day and sometimes they're working on the same problem at four different locations and they don't know they're working on it so we have to think about who are great community partners if i did nothing else in this program it was to chip away at the fact that yes the fire department has a role here in in this work and it may not it, it's one part of a team the other section of that is that there are great benefits to bringing together a diverse group of people and that i mean i could stop right there i mean there's a great benefit to bring anything in diversity together different perspectives different opinions but when you bring the folks together as a team and you work collaboratively on the same problem you're going to end up with you know exponentially beneficial results that frankly begin to impact our community's health and well-being but it also impacts municipal bottom lines and government you know it it helps the innovation conversation you know i, I there are there are other cities that have called and asked about what are we doing? What's our program like? So we have spread this to other places. Um, you know, we do things differently in the fire department. We're changing perspectives of the folks that we work with in public safety. And and so ultimately, there you, you can't dismiss the benefits of being able to work together and the things that come out of that. And so for fire department, it's, it's one small piece of what we do. but. You know, between the two programs that we have, the CARES program, which has a now has a case manager and the paramedics on the fire department that are assigned to CRT also rotate through CARES. So they're out on non-CRT days. They're working CARES. So between those two programs, you hear now it has become a cultural component of the fire department. Referrals happen now that are effortless. I was at a fire station last week and they were like, oh, yeah, that's that lady who's called 27 times last month and it's a it's a cares referral we we were talking to cares about it they're they're on it and you're like that would a conversation would have never happened five years ago it just happens naturally now all of that to say that we we would not been, have been successful and been able to move the needle forward to prove that value and check the boxes that we have to check business-wise right without that funding from tulsa area united way and the contributors that support us well, that is a beautiful answer, and it dovetails lovely into our final question for you. Before we go, I just want to thank you for being on the debut episode of the Tulsa Area United Ways podcast. This is so exciting. I cannot think of anybody better that I would want to to celebrate this wonderful occasion with. So thank you, Michael, for being here. You're welcome. And then, you know, we're going to close out every episode with this question. Um, you know, Michael, why do you live United? What is your why? Oh, my. Well, I think my why is really that, and this is, this is something that has resulted in a 30-year career in public safety and 26 years on the Tulsa Fire Department and, 
is that ultimately there are, Tulsa is an incredible city. It is incredibly unique. It has incredible people who are incredibly passionate. My why is that I saw that Tulsans deserved better social recovery and and they deserved, they, they found challenges. It's, it wasn't their fault. They found, it, it was it's hard to, to do things sometimes for folks. And for me, my why has been to, what can I do to improve the lives of Tulsans? That's been as a broader, but when you work with an individual and you see that individual get housing, when you see that individual eat or have a stable meal source, then those are, that is community engagement, that is improving Tulsa as a whole. And so my why every day is that, like I started with, I drive around and I look at this incredible city and the beautiful architecture and the people who live here and the folks that I have met that want the absolute best for everything. And my why is that we have a lot to contribute. I have things to contribute. I want to be involved to make this reach our full potential and, and beyond, you know, to be a world-class city and to really show folks that we care about our residents, we care about our community, and those are the things that bring us together. And, and that is the why, is that this is, this is a place where when you meet people that are working together on the same challenges that you are, you can do incredible things. And it doesn't matter, it, it can be outside of this. It can be having any kind of conversation in this community, but that's what's great, we have that here. Sometimes we just need a little help from somewhere, funding to help uh, and some guidance, really. It sounds rambly, but that why question is, is often difficult to answer, but it's just, there's a lot of whys. How's that? There's a lot of whys. And when you have so many, you get so excited about doing all kinds of things. But, you know, to live united means to live together and to live as a collaborative group of Tulsans. And that is the ultimate definition of community for me. And as a person who has, for lack of a better term, risked their life for the Tulsa community, you know, I have a vested interest in seeing it being an incredible place. And so that's my why every day.